Today, we are going to talk about what it takes to take your business, whether it is something you've been doing online or something mobile, to the next level. We're talking about setting up shop in a brick and mortar location. So you've done the work to get your name out and you've established yourself online or you've hit the pavement with your mobile business and people are loving your product. Inevitably, you will be asked, especially you're out and about in your community with your products, where can I find you? Where's your location? And not every business needs a brick and mortar location. I repeat, not every business needs a brick and mortar location. Maybe you're doing just fine online and want to keep it that way, or maybe you're selling a service that really doesn't require an in-person experience. But for those of you that really want to establish your own little corner of the world with a brick-and-mortar location, I am here to help you decide on how to make that leap and what you need to do to make it successful. As always, I'll share my experience about moving from selling ice cream at festivals and events with our handy little mobile cart intent and moving it into our very own building. We'll talk about how to know if you're ready for this next step and the ways to assess this. We'll also discuss how to conduct a search for your space, including where it should be, what should it look like, and what are the different things you should think about before picking your location. Things like demographic of the neighborhood, what's it going to cost, and what will the experience of that store be. And I'm here to tell you, there is nothing like the feeling of setting up your very first physical brick and mortar space. And that's why we're going to break this up into two parts because we have a whole lot to talk about. So let's get into it. So if you have your business or if you are thinking about a business, maybe you're not in a mobile business and you just want to open a store what determines whether you should take that step? Because it's a really scary thing because of all the costs that are involved in opening a store. You've got signs, you've got rent or mortgage, you have all the things you need to do to fill the space. So what is it going to take for you to take that leap? What advice I usually give to other people who are in that part of their journey they're considering to go into a brick and mortar is I ask, why do you want to go into a brick and mortar? Is it because you want to have your name on the sign and it's flashy and you feel like that's your natural next step and that makes you feel successful? Or is there some other reason? If you make a product, say you make cupcakes and you're making them in your house, we have cottage laws where you can make cupcakes in your house and sell them out of your house legally. So if you're at a place where you've got so many orders that you cannot keep up with it, or you're having to stay up all night because you don't have the space to cook all the cupcakes that you want to cook, that I think is a good time to start thinking about going into a space. And maybe, especially for food, if there is a commercial space that you can share, that's a nice next step to kind of gauge what the demand is that's a little bit less of a commitment. That's actually what we did. We went from our Thai orchid little space in the back of our restaurant, which was probably four feet by four feet of a space to actually make the ice cream. And then we went into a commercial shared space, like a community kitchen, and took up probably 2,000-ish square feet in that community kitchen and really was able to build a process of what does it look like to really make more ice cream 
in this setting that wasn't just in the back of our restaurant in this tiny space. Then over time, we thought we were staying for six months and we ended up staying for three years. And we quickly filled that space up with equipment and growth, labels, cups, ingredients, everything. Now, would it have made sense for us to dive straight into building a kitchen for ourselves? I don't think so, because if we had built a kitchen for our needs at that time, we would have outgrown it very, very quickly. So it actually was nice that we had a space that was affordable. We had some infrastructure that we didn't have to purchase. So the commercial kitchen had a shared fridge. They had a shared freezer. They had shared sinks. All these things that we did not have to pay for. We just had to pay for our space. So that is a great option if you're thinking of at least getting out of your house or trying something without a huge commitment. Finding a shared kitchen. Sometimes churches will also rent out their kitchen or a lot of restaurants now will actually rent out their space as ghost kitchen. So I know there's a local bagel place here. They operate in the morning and lunchtime, but then they don't operate at nighttime. So someone comes in to their kitchen at nighttime and creates a ghost kitchen concept where they make something and then they serve it through DoorDash and there's no physical people coming into the space. So there's a lot of different ways to take kind of a medium step or a baby step before you go into a brick and mortar of your own because it is a really big decision and it is a really big step. So when we were out and about at all our different festivals, lots of people would come and ask us, where's your location? Because they thought we were a chain. And I would always say, we make it in our Thai restaurant and you can come get our stuff there. And I could see that what we were saying just didn't make a lot of sense to people. And over time, as people knew our story and got to know us through all these different events that we were going around town doing, they would say, well, where's your shop? Where's your shop? And eventually it turned into a request and people would, instead of asking, they would say, would you please just open a shop? Because we're running around all town trying to find you to get your product. We would really love it if you'd have a shop. And at the time I already had a store. I had a restaurant that I was running full time. And then I was doing this ice cream side hustle that wasn't really a side hustle. It was its own full-time job. So I was already doing a bazillion hours of work running these, what I already had. And the thought of opening another shop just seemed incredibly daunting. And I was physically tired, mentally tired. It just wasn't something that I wanted to do at the time. But because I kept hearing all these voices from our own clientele that this was something that they wanted, my brain was like, maybe we should just look into it. So one of my suggestions, if you're thinking about a location, go ahead and start looking for spaces. It doesn't mean you have to sign on the dotted line tomorrow, but I would say one of the most helpful things in this process, if you are even considering it, if the thought has entered your head at all, you should go out and start looking at spaces. You should engage with a commercial real estate agent. They will know and be able to find what you are looking for. So if you know you need a certain number of square feet, if you have a certain budget, they are gonna be able to cut a whole lot of time from you trying to look at spaces. And that has been one of the greatest helps for us is to find an agent that we love 
it has been phenomenal having an agent who's there who will advocate for you. Having someone who's kind of on the inside, who knows what's going on in the landscape of real estate is really, really key. So spend some time actually going out and looking at spaces. It will help so much because you'll get an idea of what the market is like. I would suggest looking at a lot of places, even if you fall in love with the first place, because there's so many different considerations in finding a location. Of all the many locations I have looked at for various projects, none of them have ever been 100% perfect. And so you have to decide what are the factors that are really important to you. Is it budget? Is it location? Is it clientele? Is it a specific neighborhood? You just want to make sure that you get your priorities in order. And then also, sometimes you don't know your priorities until you actually look at a space. Go look as many spaces as you can, just to get a lay of the land, see what sort of deals are out there, what are people asking for? And then after you've been able to do that research, if the perfect place or the place that you think you're gonna move forward with has already come up, it'll be much more clear. Or if something pops up quickly and is in high demand, you know you've already done your research and you know for sure that this is gonna be the deal that you need to do. You're gonna be in a much better position to negotiate something in a deal if you've already been able to do your research and you've taken the time to work with an agent to figure out what the market looks like and what is available in terms of spaces as well as what the going rate is for rent or for purchasing. Because the real estate market is always changing all the time. One of the lessons I've learned as an entrepreneur is celebrating. Taking time to intentionally honor your achievements and share them with others is a big part of what makes the whole journey worth it. And one of my favorite ways to do it is with food, of course. Gold Belly is our partner in how we deliver our ice cream to customers all over the U.S. so they can make their special moments even more special wherever they are. And whatever milestone you're celebrating with your friends and family, Gold Belly has just the thing. Whether you need Guy Fieri's trash can dessert nachos for dad's birthday or Martha Stewart's famous banana pudding for your sister's baby shower, Gold Belly can ship it right to your door and make your event even more special. So if you haven't taken advantage of Gold Belly's amazing offerings, now's the time. Run over to their website at goldbelly.com and make your celebration unforgettable. Tao here, popping in to share my excitement about one of my favorite companies in the whole world, Holly Hill & Co. If you are like me and are obsessed with food, especially local food, you will appreciate those special ties that happen around the table. Holly Hill & Co. believes, like I do, that food creates connection and community unlike anything else. That's why they take care to strengthen the ties across the generations between family, the farmer, and the land, all the way to the food that ends up on your table. You can experience exactly what this means at one of Holly Hill's nine unique Central Kentucky restaurants and through their beautiful emails. If you're in Kentucky, be sure to find the nearest location and get ready for an amazing experience with the most fantastic food. Holly Hill's co-founder is none other than my dear friend, James Beard-nominated chef Weta Michael, who's been a force on the Kentucky food scene for over 20 years. Learn more about their incredible food community by visiting hollyhillandco.com, where you'll find stories, recipes, how-tos, and even curated gifts. Again, that's hollyhillandco.com, and let them know that Tao from Crank and Boom sent you.
So when my parents and I started Thai Orchid, we had a very, very limited budget. And I, at the time, was dating Mike Green, who had some construction experience. And it was a perfect way for him to win over the hearts of my parents to come and help us build this restaurant. We decided that we wouldn't get a general contractor. We would try to do as much as we could construction-wise, and then we would just contract the things that we couldn't do. So that was plumbing, framing, and I think a little bit of electric I was 24 at the time, and I was in a place in life where I had less money but more time. And so it was okay that I put my sweat equity into that restaurant versus spending more money to contract it out. I think looking back now, 18-some years later, I definitely see the advantages of having a general contractor and having those connections, having an architect lay out your equipment and your needs in terms of electric plumbing, gas, all those things. There's a lot of different components when you're trying to open a restaurant in a space and having the professionals who can put that space together for you is a really, really great asset. So there's a lot of different considerations on how you want to approach it. If you are a card or shoe shop and all you have to do is bring in some shelves and paint the walls and put a little decor together, that's awesome. If you're trying to do a restaurant, it is a much more involved process that has a lot of different regulators involved. Usually you have to get a plumbing permit, you need an electrical permit, you need a grease trap permit, you need a health department permit. If you're doing alcohol, you need an alcohol permit. So there's a lot more hoops to sort of jump through when you're in the food industry and you're trying to open a restaurant or serve food. We were able to pull it together, I would say, as best as we could. It was definitely a home-done job. It did not look like professionals put it together, but that's maybe not the most important thing. I think a lot of people will fall into the pitfall of thinking it has to be so polished and I have to have silverware that matches everything else and I have to have branded cups and I have to have a fancy sign. And I'm here to tell you that those things are nice, but it really is not what is going to make or break you. What you're serving and the service that you provide is what is going to make or break you. The other stuff can come. And if you're in a place where you have a limited budget, don't waste your money on flashy things. When we decided that we were going to open a Crank and Boom store, I was still in the mindset of, I'm not really sure that we want to open a store, but we'll go poke around and look at different spaces because I love real estate and I love looking at spaces in general just for fun, just to see what's out there. We looked at a catering space. We looked at a barber shop. We looked at big gigantic spaces. We looked at teeny tiny spaces, just getting the whole breadth of what was out there because Crank and Boom, the store had never been created before. So we were creating this concept from scratch. And right now we were scooping ice cream in cones out of a cart. And was that going to be our concept or was it going to be something more? And that's where I found inspiration from other places we had traveled to, to create this sort of ice cream lounge concept that we would have alcohol, that we would also have homemade desserts. The idea was, wouldn't it be great if after dinner, if you didn't want to go out for a nightcap somewhere that you could go to a dessert place and hang out and you could have 
a piece of homemade chocolate cake and a glass of red wine to end your night. That was my initial concept. So I really was trying to build what the experience would be and then build a menu that would facilitate that whole experience. That's what I really love creating experiences and placemaking in that when someone comes, not just building walls, it's building and creating the full experience of what it's like when somebody walks through your doors. What is it going to feel like? What are they going to be able to purchase? What sort of energy are you trying to create? And at the time, I never realized how it would take off. It was just this kind of new idea because there are definitely other ice cream shops around town and other places that you can get ice cream. So it was going to set us apart and what felt really right to us. And I really wanted a place that wasn't just white and sterile with a lot of super bright colors. And so I actually took a picture when we actually found our location. I took a picture of a brewery out of Asheville and gave it to our architect and said, build me a brand and a space that feels like this space. So it wasn't based off of an ice cream shop that we were trying to create our ice cream concept. It was based off of a brewery and that's why we have reclaimed wood and subway tile and sort of darker lights and Einstein lights and all these other pieces of our space that feel a little different than your average chain ice cream shop. But I would say if you are not quite ready for that, take a little baby step. And then if you've taken the baby step or you're ready to just go on in, that's what you want. You know that your dream is to have your own space. You really want to do it. The concept in your head is having your own space. Then I think definitely find a space that works for you and also be sure that you're ready to take on that commitment. So we have talked about demand and location in terms of the thought process of opening a brick and mortar location. We've talked about some baby steps that you can take if you're not quite ready to get there and then some tactical steps that you can take towards actually opening a shop whenever you are ready for it. So I'm excited to talk in part two about a few more specifics, the cost and also kind of the more functional things of actually operating a brick and mortar space. So be sure to stay tuned for part two. We'll be next week and I can't wait to meet you back here. Thank you so much for listening to the Crank and Boom podcast. If you want business advice and tactics like this every week, click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcast so you never miss an episode with us. Also, if you like what you heard today, it would mean so very much to me if you would leave us a review. That helps other people find us. And I would also love to hear more about what topics you'd like for us to dive into on the show. I can't wait to meet you here again soon. Until next time. Peace. This is a production of Four Eyes Media.